Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Awesome. So we are busy with this series, Moved with Compassion, and uh, we've covered two parts already. It's on SoundCloud and the Facebook page if you wanted to uh, catch up on the previous two settings. And uh, I just want to recap quickly on last week. Last week we looked at move towards intimacy, move towards intimacy with God specifically. And we looked at the scripture from Ezekiel 37 verse 24 to 28. And uh, it says, they'll follow my laws and keep my statues. They'll live in the same land I gave my servant Jacob, the land where your ancestors lived. They and their children and their grandchildren will live there forever. And my servant David will be their prince forever. I'll make a covenant of peace with them that will hold everything together, an everlasting covenant. I'll make them secure and place my holy place of worship at the center of their lives. I'll live right there with them. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. The nations will realize that I, God, make Israel holy when my holy place of worship is established at the center of their lives forever and this is a beautiful prophecy we looked at this last week and uh, i encourage you to get the full teaching online god has made us his dwelling place each one of us in the old covenant there were temples there were uh, places of worship we have now become the temple of the holy spirit paul writes to the corinthian church we have become the dwelling place of god uh, establishing and making this prophecy a reality showing that this is the reality of this prophecy that the Spirit of God in man has become this prophecy fulfilled. That I will live right there with them at the center of their lives. And so I want to encourage you to get the teaching. It was a blessing. Amen. This morning we're not going to look at our declaration uh, because it's a little bit quiet here this morning. And I don't want to put you guys on the spot. But we've been looking at an awesome declaration. I'll just read it out for you guys. And if you want to just uh, respond in your heart with this. And uh, the declaration is really to get you to respond to something, to, to consider what is being said. Like at a wedding, uh, you, you, you say your vows and you consider what you are saying, you're considering what you're speaking out and you're also being held accountable by the witnesses. Amen. The people you invite to your wedding shouldn't just be there for the food. If uh, they're just there for the food, then reconsider whether you're going to invite that person. Um, they should be there to witness something beautiful, to be there to witness what you're deciding and the decision you're making, and then also to support you in that decision and to cheer you on. Amen. So uh, declaration, the declaration sounds like this. I'm a disciple of Jesus and purposing my maturity. This is something all of us get to decide and purpose on a daily basis. I will not be satisfied with a mediocre Christian life. I choose to live a significant Christian life. Too often we just settle for, cool, at least I'm going to heaven. That's not what Jesus died for. He died for you to be saved and to enjoy salvation, but salvation is more than just going to heaven. It's about living in significance, impacting people's lives. Then if the word says that I believe it, that's always a challenge for most of us. If my life needs aligning, the Holy Spirit will show me and help me to do that. Jesus loves me and he loves the lost world I come in contact with. That's important to realize again because oftentimes we want to just pause and leave it at Jesus loves me. And we're just like, man, it's amazing. Jesus' love for me is good. And daddy, papa, oh, I just enjoy your presence. If that presence and that intimacy isn't leading to fruitfulness, it's fake intimacy. It's superficial intimacy. A good word? It's a, it's a challenging word. It's good to be challenged with the word, to be challenged with how are we living? Are we living 
in the fullness that Jesus made available for us. So Jesus is not just about loving you, but he's also about loving the people around you. And we get to show Jesus' love to them. And then lastly, also, I'm ambassador of Christ and not of my own kingdom. It's not about your kingdom. It's not about what you can accomplish, but it's about his, his kingdom and his purposes for this world. Amen. Good stuff. So let's get into this morning's message. And this morning, we're going to look at specifically moved with compassion towards family. A move towards family. Acts chapter 2. And I want to encourage you as we are going through the word, open up your Bible. Get into the word yourself. Make notes. Highlight some of the things. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. He's going to speak through me this morning. And uh, uh, I'm just a vessel of, of his communication. But he also wants to speak to you directly. And maybe he wants to take you on a sidetrack somewhere. And So make a note of that, that sidetrack. Go and investigate it afterwards. Don't just kind of uh, sit here and, and be spoon-fed. Like, take the knife and the fork and cut into the, the, the steak, so to speak. Get in there. Like, eat and chew and digest and, and consider the, 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 the flavors of the steak, the, the, the juiciness of the steak, so to speak. Consider these things. Don't just be like a, a vegetable, uh, for lack of better words and terminology, when it comes to partaking and engaging of the word. Amen? Like, dig in there. Chew on the word. Like, ask questions. Consider some of the, 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 the things that's being shared. Like, how is this applicable to my life? So Acts chapter 2, verse 42, 42, from the New Living Translation says, Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Say, for a long time. time. So we're going to be here for a long time this morning, so I don't know how your schedule is looking. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. Um, Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all the listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So he's not talking about salvation, he's talking about a, a call to live apart from the world. Verse 41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Say 3,000. So Peter was ministering something, he was ministering the gospel specifically, and that very day 3,000 people responded to Verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So how many people were added? 3,000 people. What followed after 3,000 people were added to the church? They, um, they didn't just uh, there from that moment on be like, okay, cool, at least I'm going to heaven. So... I'll see you somewhere in the street and like maybe if we bump into each other at that grocery store, like we can connect. No, a few significant things happen. And we want to look at that. It says, and all the believers devoted themselves. Say devoted. Devoted Devoted means purpose, intentionality. It means planning, right? If you devote yourself to your husband or your wife, it means that you want to be faithful to that person. And faithful to the exclusion of not allowing any other person to come into that relationship. Okay, so they were devoted to what? Teaching. Fellowship. Sharing in meals and in prayer. So those are four things that they were devoted to. Okay, and we're going to see what followed. So they were devoted to teaching, fellowship, sharing in meals and in prayer. Verse 43. And a sense of awe reverential fear came upon every soul so this is again something that follows the teaching the prayer the fellowship the, uh, the t- partaking together of meals 
So something happens through this. There's a fruitfulness. There's an overflow. 3,000 people added to the church and they purpose these things. They devoted every person. Not just 10%, not just 20%, but the whole 3,000 purposed something. Teaching, sitting under good teaching, fellowship, sharing in meals, and in prayer. And then a sense of awe, reverential fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were performed through the apostles, the special messengers. Just want to pause there. Apostleship, in a sense, as the, the Amplified explains here for us, it's, it's defined as a special messenger. Now, what makes the apostle special? His charisma, his fashion sense, his eloquence of speech. What, what, what makes the apostle in this context special? The message, right? It's not the messenger that makes us the message special. The message is special in, a, in, a, in and of itself. That's what Paul gets into when he writes to uh, the, the Corinthian church where they were like, this one is following Apollos, this one is following Paul, and it's about uh, these are all of these scholars who's got eloquency of speech, and he says it's not about any of that. It's about the purity of the message. And so every one of us, if we understand the message, we can also be special messengers. Consider this. It's not about you, it's about the message. Do you know the message? Then you can be a special messenger. Amen. Amen. And all who believed, who adhered to and trusted in and relied on Jesus, were united together, that everything in common. And they sold their possessions, both their landed property and their movable goods, and distributed the price among all, according as any had need. And day after day, they regularly, again, what happened? Day after day, they regularly assembled in the temple, so the larger meeting place, with united purpose and in their homes. So in the smaller gatherings as well. So they gathered in the larger gathering, but then also in the week, there were smaller gatherings, meeting in each other's homes. They broke bread, including the Lord's Supper. They partook of their food with gladness and simplicity and generous hearts, constantly praising God and being in favor and goodwill with all the people. And the Lord kept adding. What happened? The Lord kept adding to their number daily. Those who are being saved from spiritual death. Okay. So a good question to ask here. Why was there? We see addition in the beginning of this, in this, uh, the passage of scripture when Peter was ministering the gospel. Now we see again addition in verse 47. The Lord kept adding to their number daily. Those who are being saved. Why was there addition to the church? Why was the church growing? Consider this. It's a good question to ask. Because I think all of us can uh, say, uh, man, I want this church family to grow. I want this local family, Grace Life Ministries, if you're feeling called to, to uh, be a partaker in this family, you'll, be, you'll, you'll, you'll consider and, and have this, 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 this desire for the church to grow, I hope. If you don't have a desire for this church to grow, I'm praying for you. Please come let me know who you are. Because God's desire for this church is to grow. God's desire for the church worldwide the, 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 the family of God to expand. Why was there expansion in Acts, in this passage of Scripture? We need to ask this. Was it because God wanted them to grow? Trick question. Was it because God wanted them to grow? It's obvious that God wants them to grow. But God wanting them to grow wasn't just a natural byproduct. Some things were purposed. 
Some things were part of this growth that was essential for this growth. God's desire, God's will is for the world, world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. We see this in Timothy, Paul uh, writing to Timothy. But we need to take note that the whole world isn't saved. Jesus died for their salvation, but the world hasn't responded to that. So God's desire doesn't automatically come to pass. We need to understand that there's something we need to cooperate with. There's a role for us to play. And it's a privilege. Why were they growing? Why was there addition to the church? Was it because they had amazing worship services? This morning we, we, we technically at this point haven't had an amazing band and amazing lighting and smoke machines. Was that why the church grew in that in, in, in the church of Acts? No. no. Was it because they had great, great ministry programs? They, they, they had a great kids ministry where they had lots of fun activities for the kids. And they had a great business ministry where all of the businessmen came together monthly and prayed for their businesses. No. Was it because they owned their own church buildings? No. That doesn't bring growth. Oftentimes to the carnal mind it looks like growth. And oftentimes we swayed by those things and we're like, I want to be part of that church or that ministry because they've got their own building and they've got all of these amazing programs. And it's, we, we add all of these things, but none of that is what we see in Acts. What do we see uh, in Acts? We see a few things. Like I said, they were devoted to receiving the word, to teaching. They were devoted to fellowship, family together, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. Meeting in the temple, yes, but then also meeting in each other's homes. Through prayer, through receiving the word in their homes, through sharing of meals. Who enjoys a good, uh, a good Sunday lunch? My hand is up. <laughs> Praise God for good Sunday lunches. And if you've got a roast in the oven, I haven't received the, e- the invite yet, so please uh, just tell me about that so that I can join you for that Sunday uh, roast. Um, I miss my mom's food a lot. Um, not that my wife's food is bad. <laughs> just have to add that in there. <laughs> my wife's food is amazing. Um, she's come a long way. Um, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Just joking, it's good to have fun in, uh, in, in church and, uh, and crack a joke or two, um, just to enjoy uh, what God has given us. God has given us humor, He's given us the ability to laugh and have fun, so we should uh, enjoy it. But uh, So there was sharing of meals and there was prayer, and we looked at this prayer uh, a while back, and we focused on prayer specifically, the topic of prayer, and how oftentimes our prayers, to just be blunt, is very self-centered. Oftentimes our prayers is very self-centered, all focused about me, myself, my kingdom. What do I want? What do I need? But when we look at the prayers of the, the New Testament believers, the prayers were about the kingdom of God. It was about advancing the gospel. It was about reaching out, praying for opportunities to minister the gospel. And so when we, when we think about prayer, we need to consider what is the word's definition and uh, how did the, 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 the believers through the word pray and devote themselves to pray. So these were the things that, that enabled growth. And ultimately, I'll summarize it in one thing. What are all of these things? Devotion to, to teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, to, to partaking together of meals. They were family on mission. They were family on mission, preaching the gospel, living out their callings. 
This is God's invitation for us. This is the Holy Spirit's draw for us to be a family on mission. We're not about building holy huddles. We're not about uh, just gathering for the sake of feeling good and ticking a box that I've been to church this week. No, we're family on mission. We want to challenge one another. As Proverbs 27, 17 says that iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So for you to be sharpened by your friend, guess what? You need to see your friend. You need to do life with your friend. You need to allow them to speak into your life. You need to also have friends who's not always just going to tell you what you want to hear. It's, it's nice to hear what you want to hear, right? Who of you enjoys here to just be uh, hitting the nail on the head the whole time and you're never going off track? It's fun to just run the races like you just get cheered on by everyone. Woo, you're doing great. Keep going, keep going, running, running. It's not so fun when someone grabs you by the hand and says, like, what are you busy doing now? Not in a, in, a, in a condemning way, but like, man, that comment that you made about the waitress, like, that's not, that's not the Spirit of God in you. That's your flesh. Like, that's not, that's not going to bless your wife if she hears that. Or if someone hears you making that comment about, your, about that waitress, right? You need those friends. That is what iron sharpening iron is about. It's about challenging one another in the Word. And pulling one another closer to intimacy, because from that place we will be bearing fruit. But in Acts here we see, and what we're going to focus on this morning is, God has called us to the Holy Spirit of God is drawing us to be a family on mission. Living out the preaching of the gospel as Jesus invited the disciples in the Great Commission. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, preaching the gospel. Discipleship is, is a form of forming friendship, doing life together, growing through the word. Let's go to first first John chapter three. Someone being blessed by the word. Yes. Good stuff. First John chapter three verse nine to eleven says, Everyone who is truly God's child will refuse to keep sinning because God's seed remains within him, and he is unable to continue sinning because he has been fathered by God himself. Here's how God's children can be clearly distinguished. Say clearly distinguished. So it's not vague. It's not like, ah, uh, is that a, mm, not sure, like believer, unbeliever, Christian, Muslim, atheist. It's clearly distinguished. There's a clear distinguishing that we see. Here is how God's children can be clearly distinguished from the children of the evil one. So the evil one, it doesn't just... It means every unbeliever. It doesn't matter what camp they fall into. It's every non-believer in Christ. The evil one. Anyone who does not demonstrate righteousness and show love to fellow believers is not living with God as his source. The beautiful message you've heard right from the start is that we should walk in self-sacrificing love towards one another. Now there's a lot of amazing things in this passage of scripture. I just want to draw out quickly that the, what, what John is not writing is not saying that if you are sinning, you're an unbeliever and you don't have salvation. That's not what he's communicating. What John is communicating is if you are sinning, you're not walking in intimacy with your father. If you are sinning, you don't know who you've become through receiving God's nature. You haven't renewed your mind to the truth of who you truly are. Romans 12 verse 2 says that we should not be conformed to this world, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Changing our thinking. 
That is what repentance is. Repentance is, 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 is believing the gospel, believing what God says about you, believing what Jesus has accomplished for you. That is repentance. Because when you believe what Jesus has done for you, when you believe what Jesus has called you to, you will start living like it. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Guard your heart above all hours, Proverbs says. Guard your heart above all hours because out of it flows the issues of your life. So when your heart is guarded, when you're planting the word of God, when you're saturated with the love of God and enjoying intimacy with Him, that will direct your steps in life, the decisions you're making. So it's not talking about when you're sinning, you're an unbeliever and you're unsaved and you've lost your salvation. It's talking about you're not living, as John writes here, he says, you're not living with God as your source. The source here, it's amazing when we see in John chapter 4, Jesus talking and engaging with the, the Samaritan woman at the well, and he says, when you ask me of water, I will give you the Holy Spirit. I will give you living water that will spring forth from within you, gushing forth into everlasting life. What is water? It's a source. We've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. We've got the source of life. But we need to live like it. Live considering that, being mindful of that. Because we often just forget and we get caught up in, in life. And, and I know all of us, we've got challenges and, and uh, we, we, we're facing different health issues and whatnot. And all of those things, like, it's, it's important to not kind of deny the reality, like the, acknowledge something is wrong or there's a challenge. But then look at what does the Word say. What is the Word inviting us to consider more than the challenges, more than the circumstances? Verse 11 again. The beautiful message you've heard right from the start is that we should walk in self-sacrificing love towards one another. This is, this is the, the evidence that we are walking in intimacy with God. When we're walking in intimacy, Ephesians chapter 5, it's beautifully explained in the message translation. It says that, watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children that learn proper behavior from their parents, that is all that God desires for us. And so when you're walking in that relationship, like my two sons, I often just use that example because it's, it's, it's just clear, it's practical, it's easy to understand. My son Chris and Michael... I'm telling them a lot of things like do this or, 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 or be gentle with your brother. Like don't, don't throw a, a brick at his head. Like, a, <laughs> like, so I encourage him and I, and I challenge him and I try and communicate with him. These will be the consequences. If you do that, he's going to cry and then he's going to grow up and he's going to go to the gym and then he's going to try and get you back for that time. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's important uh, that, that, we, that we realize these things and uh, the example with, with, with Chris and my sons, there's a lot of things that I'm telling them and trying to instruct them in, but the biggest testimony for them is me living out and molding to them and showing them the example that I want them to follow. So it's more important to look at someone's example than you just listening to a bunch of words that they're telling you, Right? Oftentimes believers just want to get into the word. It's like, okay, cool, Jesus said this, and he says do this, and he says does that. And we're just living in the, in, in the instruction of the word. We're not living from the intimacy of the word. There is instruction, 100%. 
But the instruction follows the intimacy. That's why it talks about sharing the truth and love. Love is intimacy. But then when there's intimacy, when there's trust, a heavy word can be shared. Instruction can be shared. And it's easier received, right? When you have, when you have relationship with someone, when there's trust. Jumping down to verse 16 here. Verse 16 to 20 from the Passion Translation. So a good question just to consider again with, with regards to the, the previous passage of Scripture is, can people see that you are God's child and fathered by Him? Because John writes and he says, and he is unable to continue sinning because he has been fathered by God Himself. Can people see that you are fathered by God? That you are allowing Him to father you? That you are allowing Him to, 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 to shepherd you, to lead you and guide you? If people can't see it, then it's not real. Because here we see that there was a, a distinguishing. They can clearly distinguish, be distinguished from the evil one. So it needs to be visible. If it's not visible, there's something wrong. If there's not fruit, there's something wrong. Right? We understand in the natural, when you go to a... a I'm going to challenge some uh, religious people quickly here because it's fun. Uh, if you go to a wine farm to do wine tasting, right, and they just bring you water, and you're asking them, I thought I'm having a wine tasting. Oh, no, we don't have any wine because we planted the, the, the vineyards and the, the everything, and no fruit ever came out. There's no grapes. Something wrong there, right? There needs to be grapes. There needs to be fruit. Otherwise, something is wrong. And so the same for us as believers. If there's no fruit in your life, something is wrong. It's not to put a, a damp on your spirit. It's to identify, listen, yeah, I'm, I'm lacking something. I'm not seeing the fruit that God is talking about. Something is wrong. Not necessarily with you, but with your approach and your relationship with God and how you're considering it, how you're looking at it. For a whole long time in the Christian church, there was something wrong. Relationship with God or the Bible or Christianity was portrayed as as you need to do all of these things, you need to come to God, clean up your act, uh, leave your sin at the door, come into the church with, with the holy conscience and then walk out of the door and then you pick up your sin again and then you go and live in your hypocritical life. That's what the church looked like for many generations because they focused on the do, the instruction of the word. They didn't know the intimacy of the word, Jesus and so it's important for us to enjoy intimacy as Jesus invites us in John 15. We, we won't go there where he talks about the vineyard and he says, Come to me, draw close to me, because from that place you'll bear much fruit. Philippians chapter 2, let's go to Philippians 2 quickly. Philippians 2 verse 1 to 2. Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the anointed one. You are filled to overflowing with his comforting love. You've experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. What is Paul asking the church for here? He's not asking the church... Uh, I want to use a few examples, but uh, I, I, won't, I won't go there. 
Um, so he's, he's, what is he asking the church for? There's a lot of things that he's not asking the church for that you could consider him to deem as important, as valuable. No, he says, you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. How? For me as a pastor, you will fill my heart with unbounded joy through walking together with one harmonious purpose. What is that? What is that purpose? It's not what you think it is. It's about establishing God's kingdom. Being a family on mission. Not be, being on mission to, to enjoy family and holy huddles, but to be a family on mission. To be a family that is being equipped for battle. Because there's a war happening out there, guys. If you haven't noticed this, there's a war. There's, there's different agendas that is being pushed in the world. Other religious uh, beliefs that is being forced, that is being pushed. And you see things popping up everywhere. And you, you see things happening, guys. Open up your, your eyes and start seeing that there's a war out there. And if there's a war out there, if there's a battle, what is required of us? To be equipped. To be prepared. Because what war was ever waged and the, 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 the parties involved did not prepare. For war, for battle to take place, there needs to be preparation. If you think about sporting analogy, for any World Cup preparation, there's many years building up towards that World Cup. Preparation. Why? They want to have success. Do you want to have success as a child of God? Then you need to be prepared. You need to be equipped. It's not going to happen by accident. Not just because God desires it. No, the church purpose things. Teaching, fellowship, in homes, in prayer. These things, each one of us gets to purpose this to one degree or another. To enjoy more of this. Acts chapter 4, we're coming to a close. Acts chapter 4, verse 29 to 31. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto your servant that with all boldness, say boldness, says asking that with all boldness they may speak thy word. And that word is not talking about the Bible. There's a lot of people preaching Bible. There's a lot of people talking Bible. There's a lot in the Bible. There's a lot of things you can focus on in the Bible. Wisdom, prosperity, health, business. There's a lot of ministries even that is found on a topic of the Bible. The word that, that Paul, or the, the, the writer to the Luke, the, the writer of Acts, is writing, encouraging the church with speaking forth the word, is the word that brings salvation. And there's only one word that brings salvation, it's the gospel. There's only one message in the Bible 
if you narrow it down to one message, and it's the message of salvation, the message of Jesus. From the beginning of time, God's desire was relationship. And relationship was, was hindered because of the sinful nature of man. So Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus poured out His Spirit so that whoever believes on Him can be joined unto Him. One Spirit in relationship with Him. And that's the message of the Bible. That's the word. That they would with boldness be able to speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. And when they had prayed, something happened. The place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Again, the word of God, the message of God is one message. What was Jesus' message? He did a bunch of things. He healed people. He, he raised people from the dead. He cast out demons. But that was not his message. His message was repentance. Change of belief. Believing the gospel. Believing the message of Jesus dying, coming to take our place. Being raised from the dead. And pouring out his spirit so that we can have right relationship and intimacy with God. That's the message of the Bible. That's the the the. the the ministry of the Holy Spirit is, is driving us towards effectively ministering this message. But we have to consider one thing here, and I just want to take a side note quickly. So they prayed, and something happened. They prayed, and there was a, there was a, a, a movement, there was an earthquake, but then something happened. There was the word of God that was spoken forth with boldness. And so this is clear again in light of prayer. What type of prayers we pray. Oftentimes, like I said, it's self-centered. But here they prayed and something followed. The word of God was preached with boldness. And so we need to have more prayers like that where we pray for boldness so that we can not go onto the rugby field and beat our opponent. Or go into the exam hall to have an amazing exam. Like you can pray for peace and things like that for that. But we looked at it this morning in our prayer meeting as well. In, in, in Joshua, Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 specifically, all of us know this passage of scripture. And we're like, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's like, man, so I can go to the gym and the Lord is there with me and I'm going to be strong. I'm going to, I'm going to bench lift this amount and I'm going to show back to you how strong I am. And Man... None of you have obviously ever done that, so it's fine. Like, it's just the people we didn't invite or we invited and they didn't come. The context of Joshua chapter 1, if you go and Google most, most uh, research or most popular scriptures, top 10, definitely. John chapter 1, uh, Joshua 1 verse 9. But the context of that was kingdom advancement. Not having fun in a sport or, or having a good exam and things like that. It was kingdom. It was eternal. Be strong in the Lord and the things that He's called you to. Joshua was called to something, to inherit the land. So we need to consider how we're applying Scripture and how we're looking at the Word of God continually. So here we see that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were already believers, but they were filled with the Holy Ghost. So what has happening here? What's taking place? We need to ask that question. They were already believers. They prayed unto God, but they were filled with the Holy Ghost. So what is happening here? Can I make a statement quickly? 
You, get, you only get one type of Christian. It's a spirit-filled Christian. You don't get such a thing as an unspirit-filled Christian. That's an oxymoron. Because what happened when you became a Christian? You received something. Salvation. What is salvation? God's spirit in man. Consider that. That's a, a, like a, a tweak in our minds oftentimes. There's one type of Christian. Spirit-filled. So what is happening here when it's talking about, because we often see this, they were, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They're believers, but then they were filled with the Holy Ghost. What's happening here? Ephesians chapter 5, 18 explains to us what's happening here. And Paul writes and he says, And don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We taught on this a while back, and it is a, it's an awesome analogy. So Paul is, we have to consider, man, Paul is talking about, not being drunk with wine, and then he's, being, he's talking about being filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. What, what, what's he getting like with you? Like what, is he, what is he talking about? How does being drunk with wine line up with being filled with the Holy Spirit? Good question. I'm glad some of you asked that question. You need to ask these types of questions. Uh, you need to consider things that don't necessarily make sense to you, or like, that's weird, like, Okay, cool, let's just read past that because there's, obviously Paul wasn't really like, he didn't know what he was writing about. Clearly not uh, being led by the Spirit. Um, I'm just being sarcastic. So, so here's the answer to whenever you see believers being filled with the Holy Spirit, here's the answer to it. How do you get drunk with wine? I'm asking the wrong crowd. I know none of you have ever been drunk with wine. So. <laughs> um, now I'm joking. So I'll testify. Like I've got a, I've got a sketchy past, and I've, I've done things that I shouldn't have done. And God's grace and His redemption is amazing. And who I am today is all because of God's grace. Um, but to get drunk with wine, or to start having the effect of wine or alcohol, you need to partake something. You need to consume. And the more you consume, the more it has an effect on you, right? If it hasn't happened to you, you've seen someone it happened to. I know. If not in life, in real life, on movies, I'm sure. So the analogy is this. If you're going to drink of the Holy Spirit, it's going to have an effect on your life. Drinking is an analogy of believing. It's an analogy of doing life together. Communion is actually relationship, fellowship. So if we're having communion with the Holy Spirit, with God, with His Spirit, with the Word, we're going to start showing something as a drunk person would. Drunk people do weird things, right? Things out of the ordinary. Now I'm not saying us as Christians should do weird things. But I am saying that the Christian life should not look natural to the world. The Christian life should look supernatural to the world. Because we are on, we called for a supernatural mi mission. We need the supernatural enabling to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. So this is the invitation to be full, to be drunk on the Spirit, to, to consume, to partake of the Spirit. So that is, this is what happens to the believers when it's talking about they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were engaging in the Spirit, in the, the, the heart of God, and it led to something. Their actions changed. Like a sober person, 
starting to drink one glass of wine, two, three, a bottle, two bottles. Different person after the second bottle. Completely different. And so God is inviting us. Some of you after one glass, I know. Um, but so God is inviting us to, to, to be considerate and to consider having and enjoying fellowship and intimacy with Him is going to lead to a different life, different actions, looking completely different. That is what it's talking about in this context, that the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and something happened. They preached the Word of God with boldness. So jumping down to verse 32, or we, um, sorry, we are on, yeah. Okay, so let's go to Acts 4, uh, verse 32, jumping down, verse 32 to 35. Another analogy, just to consider again on being filled with the Holy Spirit, is the analogy of, of, again, having received the Spirit of God and having, as Jesus said to the woman at the well, streams of living water will burst forth from within you. We see in another passage of Scripture, we are encouraged to work out our salvation. How do you work out your salvation? It's not about working for your salvation, but working it out. Bring it to the surface, so to speak. And so it's the same analogy. We are all filled with the Spirit of God, because like I said, there's only one type of Christian. It's a Spirit-filled Christian. But we aren't all showing we are Spirit-filled believers. We're not all uh, living out our born-again identities because we're not all partaking of, engaging with the Spirit and allowing Him to challenge us and to push us into a specific direction. So Acts 4, 32-35, All the believers were united in heart and in mind and they felt that they, or what they owed, was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So again, they testified about something specific. That's the message of the Bible. Jesus raised from the dead. Okay? And great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned uh, land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. So this is super powerful and we see this in Acts chapter 1 as well, where the church were moved to do something. They weren't told to do something. They were moved to do something. And there's various examples here, uh, bringing together, selling their lands and, and whatnot. And it's awesome how it says that there were no needy people among them. They gave... They brought the, their lands and the houses the, the, uh, um, after they sold them, and they brought the money to the apostles to give to those in need. One thing to highlight here is there's a difference between having a need and being needy. Do you understand? There's a difference between having a need and being needy. It says that the people weren't needy. They weren't uh, sponging on the people even. But there was a need, and wherever there was a need, it was being met. That's something to think about, something to consider there. Because oftentimes we want to look at passages of Scripture like this and be like, okay, let's just kind of, let's, let's be lazy and let's just have the church take care of us. No, that's not the attitude and the heart that is being communicated here. The move of the Spirit will always be towards family on mission. 
family that is not considering this is mine and I can don't come and touch my kingdom and don't come and rock my boat. This is my boat. It's, it's sailing smoothly. Like you sought out you and I sought out me. That's not what we see in the church of Acts. That's not the desire of God. And the move of the Spirit of God will always be towards family on mission. And like I said, when it comes to giving and, and sowing into this family, it will always be towards two angles. Firstly, meeting the needs of the saints, which, praise God, through your generosity, we've been able to help various families throughout COVID and lockdown and people losing their jobs and whatnot. We've been able to help even uh, other communities, Solaris Pass, when houses were burned down and people without homes and things like that. It's amazing that we get to do that, and that is through your generosity. But then also through your generosity, we are able to engage in this, equipping of the saints, partaking together of the word. We are able to go forth, to go out and minister the gospel. We are able to go to Albania, to an unreached people group. We'll pray for Albania a little bit later. And, and that is something that I engaged with someone again this past week. In South Africa, we've got a Christian culture. Every second person is a believer or they've heard about Jesus many times. Whereas in Albania, it's not the case. People don't know Christians there. They haven't heard about Jesus. And if they've heard about Jesus, they've probably heard the religious version of Jesus. Not the version that the Bible talks about. That's about a relationship, a relationship with God. Intimacy with God. But the move of the Spirit will always be towards family on mission. And it's through family on mission that we get to experience meaningful friendships. It's through family on mission that we get to experience significance. And it's through family on mission that heaven will be brought to earth. That's God's desire for us, to be family on mission. Because in that you'll find significance. In that we'll bring heaven to earth. And in that we'll experience deeper friendships with one another. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at or visit us at gracelife.co.